and welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinSwift.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. Jiggs Goldfine, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, the first guy to funk. Make sure you get on over to Amazon and get a copy if you don't have one already. I thank you, as always, for your interest in the show, whether you're watching the video version of FunkinSwift.net or on YouTube, or listening to the audio podcast at iTunes or on Spotify, Google, just about everywhere you can get podcasts. Be sure you subscribe. Subscribe to the Funky Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where you'll get all the goodies. And also, I want to give a shout out to the Funk Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton, Ohio, of which I am a funk ambassador. Be sure to support it. Go to uh, thefunkcenter.org to learn more and help keep the funk alive. For this episode, I'm delighted to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership from all the way across the pond, vocalist and composer Steve Van Rain, a.k.a. Long Sleeve Master of the Netherlands-based hardcore funk band Octave Pussy. Founded in 1996 by Joris, I hope I'm saying that right, and Steve, along with Edwin Konings, and with several lineup changes through the years, the name Octave Pussy was taken from a cartoon figure featured on Parliament's 1978 masterpiece, The Motor Booty Affair. Massively influenced by P-Funk, OPY, the band's acronym, has released a half dozen albums since 2001, many of which feature various funk mob alumni, including George Clinton himself. OPY's latest effort is an all-out tribute to the Motor Booty Affair that is packed with first-rate funk, including a remake of Mothership Connections on Funky UFO. It's a tremendous album that, considering the current sterile music climate, is oh so welcome, just like my guest today, Steve. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Scott. Uh, I'm glad to, uh, to be on the show. Real glad to have you, Steve. So tell the viewers, uh, where are you coming to us from today? Uh, so, sorry? I, I, where, 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 I said tell the viewers where you're coming to us from today. Where are you? Well, I'm currently based in the city of Arnhem, uh, Netherlands, uh, Europe. And, and you're at home or in a studio or where? No, this is uh, this is straight straight from my from my home. Yes, straight from home. Yes, yeah. This is my house, and uh, I'm in, in my living room with the, with my my pets and uh, <laughs> ready for your questions. Okay, what kind of pets do you have? Well, we have a, a couple of atomic dogs uh, <laughs> around here. So uh, perfect. As a matter of fact, you know we're not uh, well. We're we're musicians, but we're not uh, we're not doing this for for a living. Uh, music is a hobby, and um, in in the normal life, I'm a, a pet hotelier. I'm, I, we have a, a dog motel, so I take care of uh, cats and dogs together with my wife. Nice, nice. We have three cats of our own right here, so very yeah. good, very good. Yeah. Uh, three cats that get exposed to a lot of funk music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> well, it's good to have you on the show. I've been a fan for a long time, and we've communicated you know, for quite a while. And so it's good to finally, you know, get face to face here. So thanks, exactly. for, exactly. thanks yeah. for that. So tell us a little bit about where you're from originally and how you first got into music, Steve. Oh, uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm from the Netherlands. Uh, I, uh, I lived in a couple of, of towns. Uh, uh, was born in, U in Utrecht, that's in the middle of, of the Netherlands. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a small town called uh, Goringham, um, actually very important because that's where the, the music started for, uh, for me and my brother. And then we moved on to The Hague. That's, uh, well, it's a very important city when it comes to music uh, in Holland. Uh, with a very, uh, couple of very successful bands coming from The Hague. I think you probably uh, have heard from The Golden Earring. That's, uh, that's a, a very, uh, a, a very, uh, Great band um, started uh, in The Hague and they even uh, made it to uh, to the U.S. That's also uh, that's always a big dream Ra for Radar Love. Yeah, Radar Love, exactly. So uh, we we went to The Hague uh, because of the the yeah I, I got a job there and education uh, reasons, but of course the music was also uh, coming to mind. Um, so uh, and that's where In The Hague is. It's the city where Octopussy was was found. Um, we uh, we ran into uh, the Funky Twins, uh, 
Arno and Edwin Konings. Uh, we became very good friends, and uh, well, we decided uh, we decided to start start a band, and uh, well, I think that that worked out. <laughs> we uh, we started. Uh, you you said '96, uh, but I I think the the first album was we started to record it uh, in '99. I think. Um, the period between uh, 96 and uh, 99 was more, uh, we were just practicing, you know, and trying to find uh, our musical direction. Because uh, when you're in a group, um, well, everyone has their, their own uh, uh, flavor, of course, and you have to, to mix to make a, uh, a product. So, well, so, so uh, Golden Earring, of course, is very rock and roll. You know, how did yeah. the funk influence get in there? Well, um, The Hague, when we're talking about the city of The Hague, The Hague was, uh, it's, it's called, it's rock rock city. Uh, it's, it's really a, a rock town. Um, so uh, there was, there, there never was a, a funk band coming from The Hague, uh, I think, I, I was told. Uh, so, um, but, uh, yeah, still, I mean, we're all funketeers, of course, but um, doesn't mean that we, we have uh, no eyes and ears for uh, yeah other kinds of uh, music. And I think, uh, well, I, I, for instance, I really like the Golden Earrings. Uh, it's very, um, yeah, very good music. It's, it's not no funk, but I dig it. And uh, well, I think uh, we, we, we have a lot of influ influence coming in, in our music. And um, I think, uh, well, we, we also have uh, a part of rock. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's also there. It's, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it, the, the, musically, uh, The Hague is a, a very interesting uh, city uh, to, uh, to, to be in. And also the history of all the bands coming from that area. It's very, uh, very interesting. So, um, what was your first exposure, though, to, you know, funk or, you know, Parliament Funkadelic, or how did that slip in there? Well, um, strange, but uh, funk was not really uh, very popular in, 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 in Holland. Um, so uh, when I was a kid, uh, my first uh, encounters with funk was actually... We, we had a very popular radio station uh, back back here. It was called Radio 3, and you had Radio 2. And there was more kind of old-fashioned music. And, uh, well, my parents, they, they they loved music, but they preferred Radio 2. And on Radio 2, I, I heard a team of chefs. That's, for myself, that's the first encounter in the 70s with, the, with funk music. But as I said, it was not really popular. It was on Radio 2, not on Radio 3. So uh, um, it was pretty. Uh, my my use was pretty funk funkless, but um, until I I got into Talking Heads, that was actually my first uh, the first group that I was really uh, I became I became a fan. I was starting to buy records and stuff like that. And uh, well, of course back then I didn't know uh, about all the. You know the, the the collaborations between Talking Heads, Bernie Worrell, and and that it came later. But I, I can see where I'm coming from because Talking Heads that's 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 awesome music. Also, I mean I'm I'm still into the, the Talking Heads. But uh, um, there was basically when I was 15, uh, 14, 15 years old. That was the music and uh, well, funk. You know it, it simply wasn't there. Um, but then I, uh, uh, I, I saw, I think it must, must, must have been 80, 86, I saw a clip of, of James Brown. And of course, uh, well, James Brown, I, I heard about, we, 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 now I have, to, I have to say different. James Brown was, was already in my, in my system, but with living in America, which of course is, is also funk, eh? now we know, but it sounded a bit poppy to me back then. But uh, I saw a clip of James Brown um, doing Sex Machine, so that was a different story. And then, uh, well, I, I, the moment I heard that track, 
and it's, it's really no lie. I took my bike, went to the, to the city center to uh, to see if I can uh, buy a, a record of, of James Brown, and they happen to have four. I bought all four of them. I even have to uh, later I have to to sell my Talking Heads records to to get more James Brown records. And they was really I mean poor teenager, but uh, James Brown actually was was for me and still is that's that's the well the main the main influence i mean uh, i i bought so much uh music uh, so much records uh, cds i went to to see him live 88 um so uh i was totally into to the funk and then i went to i did a, a education for graphic design and there was a guy and he, and he said oh you like funk have you ever heard of uh of george clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, and I was like, no, but thanks for the lead. So uh, back then I was really broke, so I had to go to um, to the library actually, where you could, you know, uh, lend some uh, some records. And then I I, uh, I lent uh, Free Your Mind, and uh, I put it on. I still remember, and I was like, what's this? You know, <laughs> this is this is this is not this is no funk. This is like what is this? And uh, well, so I put the record away and, you know, I, I really didn't listen to it for, well, half a year. And then uh, one of my mates said like, hey, you know, last time you were talking about Funkadelic and I think they're coming to Holland. So we have to go there. And I was like, okay, uh, let's go there. So when we went to Paradiso, Amsterdam, that's a very, uh, very famous, uh, 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 venue over here. I saw them. I think it must be uh, '91 was the first time, and then well, so much energy, so much fun coming out of that uh, band, and then I was uh, was hooked. Then I got back and I put on again the free your mind, and then suddenly all comes in once. It was the puzzle was uh, finished. It was uh, so. Totally into uh, Parliament Funkadelic, even today. Wonderful band. Today, if, today also, uh, I'm in James Brown, listening every day. Talking Heads. It's all. Uh, it's all there. It's the foundation. So, what, did did your brother and the uh, Conings brothers also have similar experience like that? My my brother, he was. Uh, well, he was actually in the 80s already. He was a musician. He was actually already playing, playing keyboards. I was not doing anything in music, just uh, a fan. I was just listening and uh, that was it. Uh, uh, I pick up a bass uh, only in the mid 90s. Um, but he was, my brother was more, uh, uh, he was more a reggae guy, actually. He likes dub. And that's also something you can hear if you listen to our work. You can you can hear that he's uh, he's the producer. Um, he's using a lot of uh, dub influences. Um, so he was he was more reggae actually. And we, we also did a lot of you know in Holland. Holland is small, so if there's a, a live concert, you have uh, you have easy access. It's uh, we 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 visit a lot of uh, reggae concerts also. Uh, Misty and Roots, Gladiators, uh, uh, Lee, uh, Lee Perry. So he was more coming. He was more into the, to the reggae. When we were very young, of course, we were having uh, like a, like a. Well, we were fighting each other with music. He had a stereo, and he wants to hear the the, the reggae, and I had the funk. So we was, you know, putting up the volume to each other, you know, to, to really to dominate each other with uh, with our music. What's uh, the age difference between you two? It's only three years. So, so yeah, so. Uh, he was more the reggae guy, and uh, well, uh, the, the twins—they were, I can say, they were mostly, of course, into Sly, uh, Sly Stone. That's that's uh, really one of their major influences. They were from Prince, uh, from what I remember uh, back in the days, and uh, well, of course, uh, uh, George Clinton, Paul Funkadelic, Larry Graham. Um, so. I'm not sure about how they, they got into the funk, but I think most of the of the guys of the band, they all started to appreciate funk music around uh, 86, 87. Yeah. 
So how did the band itself come together? Uh, when did you decide on, on the name and, and that kind of thing? Well, we, uh, as I said, we, we started in, in uh, 1996, we started to make, make a demo. Um, we had a different name back then. Uh, it was actually, it was uh, my brother, it was uh, Edwin Konings, it was me. And uh, we had a, a, a girl, uh, a girl singer, the four of us, we were, as I said, we we're trying to find the, the sound. And, uh, um, well, in, in 99, actually, we, we decided to, to form a group and uh, to start to record. Uh, uh, seriously, because before that we were doing a lot of home recordings, and uh, well, and also to 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 see how the stuff works, because uh, yeah, these days you have a computer, you can uh, you can do it, uh, make music in in one hour. But back then, of course, we had uh, yeah, we had tape machines still. We had uh, yeah, you know the, the the classic mixing consoles and stuff. So we were really figuring out like how to uh, to get the best sound. Ninety nine, we. Uh, we uh, really uh, we found a drummer, uh, Patrick Jordans, PJ, and then we started to, well, we really had a couple of tracks which we want to to record, and uh, um, around that period, um, well, we were doing a, a little drugs back then uh, uh, because, um, well, the studio we were using was based uh underneath a, a coffee shop and as you know probably in, in holland it's not a problem uh, a coffee shop is not where they where you can drink coffee you can drink coffee there of course but you also can can uh, uh you know smoke weed that's that's uh, that's legal so uh i'm not sure yeah that... i i heard i heard from a lot a lot of my friends that were in the service in the military uh visited and would tell me those stories yeah i've never been there but yeah yeah it's uh it's uh, it's 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 normal in in Holland. Uh, it's like uh, well, it's a bar. You you can drink and uh, you of course you can talk, but you also can buy uh, all kinds of weed and marijuana. It's no uh, no no big deal, and uh, you you can use it. So the 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 engineer uh, of that studio, he was also the owner of the, the coffee shop. So he was smoking a lot. So even if we didn't want to do anything with drugs, you know, we were in the in the in the in the operation room and. He was smoking his uh, his blunts, and you know we were we were part of it, even if we didn't want. To, he was there smoking, but um, one one uh, one night when we were very intensively busy with the recording, I I and that's true. I, I woke up in the middle of the night and 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 I saw a guy dressed up in white, and I'm not sure if I was dreaming or if I was you know maybe did I. He used too much wheat, but that the, I saw the guy dress up in white, and 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 I was the name actually Octopusy came uh, came into my mind when I saw that guy um, because I only found out later that um, it was a cartoon um, uh, in the in the Motobudi affair. I, I didn't have that album when I, when I got up the name, so. That's very. Uh, that's also very spooky in in a way, actually, because uh, that's that's where, where when uh, when the name came up, and I said next day, I said to uh, to, uh, to to the Konings and to the to the other guys, I say it has to be Octopussy, and yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's and later on I found out that it was a cartoon, but then I was still uh, yeah very proud because uh, I think it's a very nice name. Very nice well, name. It what was your reaction when you found out it later? Well, spooky, spooky because yeah, you know uh, the, uh, the 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 guy in, in white, which was uh, I mean I was lay laying in my bed, was in the middle of the night. There was someone. Um, I, it was strange, strange, but uh, somehow it has to be like uh, like uh, like it, uh, yeah. No explanation, but I was very, uh, very, uh, very proud to 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 see that it's uh, it's a, a cart cartoon figure from uh, from Mode Booty. It's a very great album, by the way. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so the first album was uh, Propagations of the Classical Groove. 
um, in 2001, correct? Yeah, very, yeah, yeah, correct, yeah. So um, how how hard was that to, to get together and, and get out there and make it something real in the world? <laughs> very, very hard, very hard. Uh, um, uh, of course, it's, it's, it's our first album, and I'm very proud of it still that, that um, that we uh, that we made it, but uh, um, when I listen to it now, then then I'm like, okay, you know, we were. Uh, let, let let let's let's put it different. If we could do the the album again with the the knowledge we have now, uh, yeah, I think it would be it would be even better. Uh, of course, we really had to find out uh, back in 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 the days, and uh, um, well, playing of course. That that's something, but really to put to put uh, to get the, the right sound to get uh, to get it on 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 disc that, that was very hard. Uh, uh, looking back at, at the process, we had a lot of uh, lot of uh, hours in the studio, and um, well, uh, yeah, it was re really hard. Uh, uh, also, of course, together, you know, working together. Um, yeah, that's uh, it was was pretty uh, pretty rough, but uh, in the end we uh, well we came up with a result, and back then it was really uh, received well, also by uh, by uh, the uh, we started of course in the Hague with the local press, as I just stated, there was not much funk in the Hague, it was all rock rock rock, and then well suddenly there was a funk band from the Hague, so it was uh, like hey uh, something new, and um, so yeah, the, I'm st I'm proud, but uh, it was. Uh, the process was uh, was tough. Yeah, yeah. That record um, seemed to have a little more rap influence in it than the ones that came afterwards. Yeah, true, true. We back then we had uh, two rappers uh, from um, from from Delft, that's a city near near the Hague, and they were interested to to work together. They also had you know interest in funk music, but. Um, well, they were very good rappers, but they were having troubles in get the the right funk sound. Eh? They were not really into funk; they were more into hip hop back then. Of course, also uh, very popular, but uh, so they want they want to do something else. But yeah, to, to do funk, then you you need a funketeer to make funk, of course. So they wanted to to uh, to work with us, and uh, well, they have a couple of tracks, and. It was also that um, when we first made the setup for the for the band, we were uh, we were aiming for a band. I was bass player. We were aiming for two girls uh, uh, being lead singer. We had two girls uh, um, when we we started recording. We had uh, 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 well, it's Kamaratsky Stoyzelkov. We had Sana and we had uh, 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 Yolanda Jingjing. We had two girls. Originally, the idea was to to put two girls in front, and we were playing. And um, well, in the studio, of course, we had to find a way. But live, that's also something else. So uh, when we first uh, start to rehearse to do a live show, um, well, we find that uh, we find out that the, we have some troubles as well. You know, with the girls, they had uh, well, they had to to find. Their, their role, they, they have to find the, the funk in themselves. So then they, uh, the other guys of the band, they said like, hey, Steve, why don't you go up front? And, and I said like, well, I want to go up front, but I'm not a singer. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, you know, I'm a bass player. But then they said like, well, we're gonna, we're gonna search for a bass player uh, because we need someone up there who is really a funketeer because of course you can have, you, uh, someone can be a singer but you know, when it comes to funk, it's you need more than that. You need to understand you. It has to be real. So, and then I got up uh, in front, but of course I was not a singer, so I started to rap a little. So, uh, and I, I do like uh, I do like uh, uh, rap, hip hop music very very much. I mean, so it was not uh, not a problem for me. So that's where the rap influence were coming from from the two guys from from Delft. And me myself, because I had to also to fight my way, of course, uh, because I was, you know, planning for a career as a bass player and not being a vocalist. 
Did, did you feel comfortable up front? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, of course, it, it, when we first, uh, the first gigs we did were, well, we were a bit uh, shaky, but yeah. Uh, I think, uh, of course, I've, I've met a lot of musicians uh, um, in all those years. I mean, also from, from P-Funk and, well, of course, you get stories. And I think that every musician um, uh, is, is nervous or is a bit shaky when, uh, when, when it's the first time. I mean, yeah, that's why it's called the first time. So, yeah, it, it, I can remember uh, we, uh, we were a bit uh, like, you know, watching each other a lot and then uh, later on we felt uh, comfortable and we were really uh, doing a show so I think we need about we did a three or four gigs to really to to find our our line and then uh, it went on yeah the one song on there it takes one to know one also uh, was a little more commercial sounding than kind of how you guys ended up going yeah, well, that's also very uh, well. The 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 thing is, I just said uh, we were having a, a well, the process to to get to the first album was very uh, rough. Um, that's also for for the the music. We had a lot of uh, uh, well, we had about four or five band members, of course, and um, every band member had their yeah, well, their, their their direction, the musical uh, direction they want to follow. Um, and and that's where the the several because when you listen to the album you you it's true you hear uh, well you hear um, kind of black exploitation sound on it uh, you hear rap uh, you you hear well the more more commercial uh, uh, tune um, it's uh, we were really finding uh, also finding a, a musical direction uh, that's why uh, you will well that is different songs on uh, on on the album uh, so uh, and of course back then and as especially say back then we were uh, also dreaming of course in of a, a career in in music and you know and uh, the good life and uh, doing and uh, doing nothing making money and making music and of course uh, well we had a couple of DJs from the Hague and they say like okay when you make an album please don't go too too deep into the funk. Give us a couple of tunes we can actually put on the radio if you want to be famous and if you want to make money. So that's also something which which was on our minds when we were doing uh, doing that album. Sure, sure. So in that region, um, you know where where you live, and also um, you know the Netherlands as a whole. Do most people listen to American music or more uh, local music or, you know, what's... No, no it always has been um, in, in, in Europe, uh, especially West Europe. Um, of course, we have Dutch folk and, and we have Dutch bands, but uh, no, America, that's that's always, uh, uh, well, that's the, the ultimate. When I was a kid of... Uh, I have family li living in America. You know, America is, was something, yeah, that was, when I was a kid, it, it must have been, uh, yeah, so so great. It's, uh, it's uh, I, I, I cannot find the, the, the right word for it, but America is, 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 is a dream for, uh, especially back then. Um, of course, these days we have, uh, um, we have the, the social media, you have the internet and, you know, yeah, we get more, also more uh, from, from countries, you get more from the whole world. But when, 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 I, when I was a kid and also in the 90s, America is, is if, you, if you make it, make, make it in America, that's, that's the, the ultimate. You cannot go uh, any further. So you mentioned that there's not, there wasn't a whole lot of funk there, but Aren't uh, acts like Gotcha and Dodge and 7-Eleven from that part of the world? Yes, definitely. Yeah, um, um, from uh, from The Hague, there was nothing, but the, the other bands you mentioned, of course, I think Gotcha was the first the first uh, band 
not really funk, but they were doing kind of a crossover. Um, they were the first actually in Holland to 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 show the also to us that you know it's possible to do funk and not being from the United States of America. And that uh, I mean uh, they were the first to uh, to show that. I mean they, they were just also doing simply doing it and and we're, they were waiting for the the the, the, the well the, the results and but they were very very good they were uh, they were very popular in the in the, in the, in the early 90s um from the same area it's 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 a dodge 711 of course so we, we we know uh, we know all the guys we, we know each other and uh, yeah they would it's, it's, uh, there, there is a funk scene. Uh, there, there always has been a funk scene in Holland, but it's. Uh, uh, I think Gotcha were the only ones to to really make it to the Dutch charts. And uh, other than than that, we were all you know we're playing in 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 in, in venues and we're doing festivals and stuff like that. But local radio uh, alternative stations. But really to say that that you know. You can uh, you can be a major artist in 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 the Netherlands just doing funk. That's that's not possible. So that uh, that's not the deal. But the the bands you 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 just mentioned, yeah, they were well. We were partners in crime. I think we we're all doing the same, keeping the funk alive. Yeah, I remember when I first learned of Gotcha. It was so hard to get their records here in the US. I mean, it was, you know, I had to go through all kinds of like weird internet places and, and find it, you know, but I imagine that there's probably some music from the US um, that you were interested in that was maybe hard to get there. Yes, because in, in the 90s, still like today, we have like uh, social media, internet, we, we can we can reach all over the whole world. But uh, in the 90s, we, 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 we 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 basically we had no internet. We had, uh, of course, you know the the magazine of uh, of Alexander P. Funk. Uh, we had the P. Views. It was the only source actually we had uh, to to find the uh, well the the obscure funk bands from uh, from uh, from from the U.S. So we uh, we by, by reading his magazine we we we, we heard uh, uh, from groups like uh, uh, Weapon of Choice. Uh, uh, funking um, and, and, and many more uh, slapback. You know, it was all written that, that they, they were out there doing funk also. But if you go to the record shop in, in Holland, you were not able to find anything uh, from these guys. And uh, so it was, yeah, it's hard. To, you only have the, the big names available. And uh, other than that, uh, yeah. If, if there was a connection with uh, with the, with the US, then uh, well, then you were lucky and you were able to uh, to uh, to order a, a music. But it's different now. Like uh, that, that's that's a good thing about the internet, social social media. It's uh, well, you I still find uh, interesting things not only uh, about music, but let's say. Uh, you have a very nice database these days where you can uh, find a lot of information. So uh, that's good. And yes. of course, we're we talking. That's also uh, very good. Uh, would that wouldn't that have been possible in the 90s? No, no. Um, how'd you come up with your nickname and sort of how did everyone come up with their nicknames? Well, next nicknames actually. Um, uh, well, when we with the, the four of us, we we started Octopussy, and then um, every band member uh, which joins us after we started the group, um, we told them that look, you can join the group, but we're gonna give you a nickname. So uh, there were people coming into the band; they were not even familiar with having a nickname, and then uh, they suddenly got a nickname. So and uh, well, sometimes the nickname was right there on the spot you see uh, the 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 boy or the girl is like you're going to be this one and some nicknames uh, they well they 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 followed a little later but uh we're very uh very much with nicknames yeah that's very uh, we like we like it we like it yeah because most of the dutch names they sound in our ears they sound very dull 
and not spectacular. So that's why we came up with with the nicknames. How how would how did yours come up in particular? Well, first, when when we started, I was called spare ribs because uh, I was very skinny at the time. You know, I was uh, not eating very much, uh, and uh, you know. Uh, the life of a musician, you know, you go there, you go here, you you, you, you sleep, uh, you, we smoke a, a blunt, uh, we drink a beer, and, uh, you know, uh, that's it. So I was very skinny, so that's frankly why I got called Spare Ribs. And uh, late, later on, when uh, we started to uh, wear stage uniforms, um, uh, from the first... Uh, the first uniform I was wearing, the, the sleeves, they were way too long. The, the, the tailor didn't make it correct. So I had long sleeves. And that's, uh, well, sleeve master. I'm, I'm also a vinyl, um, a vinyl junkie. I have a lot of vinyl. You cannot see it, but I have a lot of vinyl here. And um, I, I also collect uh, vinyl um, because of the, the, the covers. And one of the guys of the record store, he one time he said to me, like, you're a real sleeve master because you're going for those sleeves. You're not even, you know, uh, always considering the music. You're checking out the sleeve. So he said, you're the sleeve master. So long sleeve master comes together just like that. There you go. <laughs> um, how, did, how and when did you first meet any members of P-Funk? Um, yeah, well, that was very funny, of course, because um, in 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 the in the nineties uh, we we saw them uh, a couple of times live, and uh, well, they were for us they were superstars, and uh, I think the the first time I was able to to get a little closer to them was when uh, Ed and I we went to the North Sea. Uh, jazz festival 95 the hague um of course ed and arno they already knew george clinton because they went to his house i believe somewhere in the early 90s to bring him uh a 45 of which he uh, he, he didn't own himself anymore the, the 45 so they went all the way to america they they, uh, they bought a ticket to go there and to give him the and of course they are twins so they're very familiar, and uh, so we went to the to the to the Nazi Jazz, and well, uh, Ed was recognized, so we were able to uh, to get backstage and uh, uh, you know hang out with the, with the guys. Uh, back then, we were still not really talking about doing music and doing music together. We and they were. Really, for us, they were superstars, and it was really nice to to hang out with them. But uh, we were always a bit uh, nervous, you know, because yeah, they were uh, very big in in our eyes uh, as a mus as a musician. Um, um, I think the first time when we were doing uh, after we uh, we recorded we released the uh, propagations, um, we immediately started to recording for a second album and uh, um, we had one track uh, Funk Ship's Captain and uh, we were working on it and it was in the same area when uh, P-Funk uh, hit Amsterdam again and we were I remember we were just you know making jokes like would have been would would been great if uh, if the P-Funk uh, All-Stars would be on the on the track so, but of course it was just, uh, yeah, we were just a joke, a little joking. And um, then we, uh, well, I remember that we went to Amsterdam already early because we want to, uh, well, you know, we want to hang out there. And then uh, we ran into, I think it was Greg, either Greg or uh, Razor, one of, one, of, one of those two. Were the one we ran into, and then we started to talk about the the, the recording session, and then they uh, they were like, uh, okay, uh, well we 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 would like to work with you guys, and uh, so we we made an appointment. It was the day before, 
and uh, we made an appointment for the next day. And then uh, Ed would have, uh, would uh, would take uh, take a van, and he would go to uh, to Amsterdam to pick them up. So uh, we were in in the Hague in the studio making preparations, and he went to Amsterdam to to get Greco Ray. So I'm not sure anymore who. But anyway, uh, we had our first mobile phones back in in the days, and then I when we were in the studio, I got a call from uh, from Ed, and he said like, uh, "Look, uh, you don't believe it, but I have five of them." And I said five. He said, "Yeah, I got uh, I got Gary, I got uh, Razor, I got Peanut, I got Greg, I got Mike, I got them all, and they're my fan." So I said, "Like, well, sounds like a party." So totally unexpected, but uh, of course, uh, the moment they entered the the coffee shop, it was of course it was you know it was pure happiness for everyone. <laughs> uh, upstairs there was a coffee shop. Downstairs we had a. a 16-track recording studio, analog back in the days. So, uh, well, the whole day we were just—they were doing their, their recordings, their parts. Meanwhile, uh, me and my brother, we were running all over the Hague to to do catering, to uh, to give them uh, everything they they want to to make it as uh, as easy as it can get. And uh, well, we we did uh, we we did uh, we we also. Also got the local news that the local uh, news was coming into there because that was something big. Yeah, the P Funk uh, is in 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 the Hague. So it was for us. It was already like awesome. I mean, we didn't ask for anything more, and uh, we were like, okay, it's going to be a nice, uh, nice, uh, uh, nice recording. And then we went to the Hague to see the show, and um, well, um, we already heard Gary. That's Something is still is also in my mind. We heard Gary actually singing, tripping, flipping, going from 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 the track. So he was doing it, and you know, I saw that the rest of the band they were like, "What is he singing?" You know, and maybe he did it on purpose because, um, as I was told, that he was actually the one later to go to George and to say to to George like, "Hey man, maybe you should go to the Hague because." There's a nice track we're on it, and it's this. And in in the end, uh, Ed went to to George to uh, to negotiate about uh, the terms. And uh, well, we were already on our way back home. We had the had the brand the brand new mobile phone, and I got a call again, and it was Ed, and he said like, "Look, I'm in taxi. I'm I'm in the I'm in the this cab, and I have George sitting next to me." And Blackbird on the other side, so we were like, "Oh man!" So, but it was in the middle of the night because we were just returning from the concert. They were returning from the concert, and uh, so we had to call the the studio guy. You know, he was like, well, "It's middle, in the middle of the night." I said, "Yeah, but we got this chance to record with George. Come on, you know, open up." So he opened up. We installed. George came came in there. I think around three o'clock, four o'clock, we did the recording in the middle of the night. And um, well, we had a lot of fun. It was really, really nice, uh, unreal. Uh, but uh, in the end, almost, they almost missed their flight because they wanted to stay because uh, Blackbird was also like, uh, can I do another track? I want to do a rhythm part. Oh, I want to, uh, to re-record this one. And we were like, yeah, yeah, but you know, you have a plane to catch because your next show is, is in, in, the, in the United Kingdom. So. But uh, uh, yo, they, they made it in time, and uh, well, that is a day for us as uh, as as a band uh, never to for to forget because it was still. If I think about it now, it was very very unreal. You know, you're working with one of the the best musicians uh, in the world. That's an incredible story. That's a great story, yeah. Steve. Um, What did you, did you learn anything from watching those guys work in the studio? Definitely, definitely, yeah. I remember, I remember um, George um, on the console, it was, you know, it was analog studio, it was, uh, with, with, he, they, they had, he had like all his fingers on, on the, on the channels and he even, 
ask my brother, like, can you, can I, can I uh, have one of your hands? So he wanted to have like 15, uh, 15 channels at the, at the same time to, to, to get it in the right position. Um, of course, the, the, the perspective of uh, how, how they listen to music and all the details. Yeah, that was very, very impressive. It's still, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, of course, they're good, good musician and you can be a, a good musician. Eh? I mean, but it, it, it is a plus if you, if you also understand a track. I mean, we, that's what I learned from all those years. I mean, I work with, with also with some other great musicians, but um, not always they, 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 I mean, they can play the instrument very well, but you know, to, to feel the track and to, to get into it, that's something else. And well, of course, George and all those, those guys, they were selected for the, for this job, uh, by, uh, by the mighty Lord, I think, because, you know, they, they, they all understand they, in detail, it's, yeah, it's also, it's unreal. It's unreal. It's in their DNA. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's interesting to hear you tell that story because I sort of thought that probably they had seen your band play, you know, first and thought, hey, these guys kind of have the funk, you know, but nice. they had not heard you at all until they came in to do the track. Yeah, they never they never heard of us uh, before. No, no, it was uh, we were just we were all we just started. So uh, so uh, uh, no, it's uh, we uh, it uh, like uh, like I just uh, told they were uh, we asked them and uh, well they were we are having two batches the first batch five and the second batch uh, George and, uh, and 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 Blackbird uh, in the middle of the night. Yeah, I have uh, actually the record here. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. This came out in two thousand and four, um, and seven tracks. Um, sort of kind of like an extended play rather than a full album. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's also a story to that because we we were going for. Uh, a full album. Um, uh, back then, we were actually for that album. We still have five more tracks somewhere on uh, in our uh, well vaults, uh, somewhere up in the attic. I still have have my uh, my tapes there. Uh, it's, it's, it, it should have been a, a full uh, album, uh, but because of the the fact that they were on the track, two tracks, uh, because we did uh, Funkship's Cap Funkship Captain and we did uh, Let's Get Funky, because they were on those tracks, suddenly also uh, record companies started to be interested in uh, in 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 our uh, music, and um, we got in, into uh, contact with uh, uh, what's the name Funk to the Max, Marcel Fisher. Uh, Marcel Cate, uh, their label, uh, they were very interested in in bringing uh, bringing this to, to the public uh, through their uh, record company, and of course we were not back then we didn't have any experience with uh, with record companies, so um, they actually came with like okay we want to you know we don't want to do a full album we want to you know bring these tracks to the people and. Uh, they had the demands, and of course, we were delighted that that yeah, we, we could bring it out and not being responsible for it uh, ourselves. Um, so we were, yeah, we agreed on it. Um, if you ask me now, I think that we, I would have done it different now, but okay, that's it's it's been done. It's it's history. But uh, it it. Originally, it was uh, there should be uh, five more tracks for for this one, and uh, we those tracks we still we still have those tracks. Um, as a matter of fact, we have the idea to uh, to to bring them out maybe uh, 
in the next couple of years because we have a lot of tracks actually we're also working by the way on, on, the, on the new album already uh, that's also going to be vinyl um, so we have a lot of work to do but uh, of course you also have the normal day jobs and shit so I just became a father of a beautiful uh, daughter so there's a lot of also other work for uh, for us at the moment congratulations but, thank you very much but uh, the thing is that we, we we will all the music we uh, we we make. I said to my brother, we all the music we we did. We have to to bring it out, and uh, so those five they will come to the surface uh, sooner or later. But that's why, because we really had also like uh, music press. They were like uh, a bit, well, not really disappointed, but they felt that that, that the album, the second album, was too short. Because they say uh, once you're in it, um, you know it, the album ends with the blunt. A lot of people really like that song, and they say when you're in it, and then suddenly you're you're out, and uh, it, it it should take take more time. And I say like, yeah, well, it's <laughs> I cannot uh, rewrite history. 